that. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't, that's fine. It's going to be on the screen. Don't worry about that. All right. We have been kicking off this fall together by going through a series that we've just called uh, This Is Us. Yes, that's a show. No, it has nothing to do with the show. All right. We're just, we, we're trying to, de- to basically define what does it mean to be part of this community? What does that look like? All right. And, and our focus has been trying to define some of the key characteristics that we think describe our church, or more accurately, describe this community of people, and hopefully even describe you. Uh, Because here's something important that we have to understand, we've said this each week, something can't be true of a community that isn't true of the individuals that make up that community. All right? Uh, What this means is this, you know, this church isn't a building. All right, it isn't just an organization with a 501c3 number. It's a group of people. It's, it's us. And so if we are going to describe our church, we have to be describing the people that make up that church. All right, so if we want to be a welcoming church, we have to be welcoming people. We have to be willing to go outside of the typical friendships that we have uh, and welcome others and say hi to others, talk to others. Like, you can't just walk through the doors, look around for the people that you already know and you're closest with, and go talk to them, right? Like, you, you have to be willing to, to see someone that you don't know and take that many times uncomfortable step for some of us, all right, and walk over, introduce yourself, ask them a question, get to know them, all right? And, and I know some of you right now, like, I have just asked the most intimidating, difficult thing anyone has ever asked you in life, and that is to go introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. All right? And some people are like, that sounds absolutely awful. Okay? Uh, It's all right. You're going to survive. You're going to live. You once did this in elementary while you were on the playground. We can still do this as adults. All right? Actually, I have found out my kids never introduce themselves. They never know the names of the kids they're playing with. And barely even the kids that are in their class. But they still play together. All right, so it, it's okay. We can, we can talk to somebody we don't know. We can introduce ourselves. All right, and this isn't just a, a job that's for like one group of the extroverted people. Like this is, this is something that we need to do. And, and, and if we want to be a generous church, that means we have to be made up of generous people. If we want to be a kind church, we have to be made up of people who are kind. All right, if we want to be an authentic Church, we have to be people who are authentic and will share our lives with other people. Like, are, are we following this idea that in order to be something as a church, we must be that as people? And so each week in this series, we have made a statement uh, about our church or about our community. All right, and every week we've kind of made a new one. And the challenge has been uh, that, like, this is what we're going for as a community. This is our goal, but we don't always achieve it. All right, we're going to try our best to strive for this, but we're going to fall short. And when we fall short, we really should just apologize, and we try again, all right, and we just, we keep moving forward. And so as we make these statements about our community, uh, we each have to kind of ask ourselves, does this statement describe me? All right, does this statement describe me? Because it can't describe our community if it doesn't describe us. So the first week we said this, our community authentically gathers together to share our lives with one another. 
We place a high value and priority on gathering together. And this, this means Sunday morning, but it means so much more than that. It means all the other pieces that are part of this. And so, so if we are just kind of like popping in here and there, we are going to miss out on so much of what is happening in this community. It also means that when we gather together, that it's going to be more than just surface level. Like we have to be willing to go deeper. We have to desire that in our lives. All right, and I... I honestly think that that's what people want today. I think that that's what, what many of us want, is we want to have deeper relationships. The thought of how to get there can sometimes be intimidating, but the world is so incredibly, it can be so fake around us, and it's all about appearances and trying to put kind of our best foot forward, and, and you know, you see this on their social media, and they're always having this amazing vacation as a family, and it's so cute, and all these things, and then you look around, and the house is destroyed, and kids are climbing up the wall, and you just got in a fight with your spouse, and we want to have authentic relationships. We want to be real in so many of these things. But in order to do that, we, we can't put on a mask or pretend like things are great when they aren't. Like, we want to actively reject this idea that when you come to church, your life has to be put together. Like, if you had a really, really bad week that you shouldn't come to church, or if you, if you made bad decisions last night that you shouldn't show up at church the next day. Like, we want to be a place where we actually come together authentically. If you had a hard week, we want to bring that in and be able to say, hey, this, this week was really hard. There's a lot of stuff that happened that, I, man, I just, I don't even know what to do with. And I need someone else to come alongside and just encourage me. And I think that's, that's what we want to be. We want to have close friendships here. And you can't have close friendships if we're constantly lying to each other about how we're doing. So we gather often and we gather authentically. The second statement was, our community contagiously pursues Jesus with everything we have. All right, we want to go after Jesus with everything we have. This, this isn't a Sunday morning social club. We, we gather for a reason. We want more of Jesus. We need more of Jesus in our lives. All right, and we just say, like, he's blessed us with every single thing we have. And so in return, I'm going to take every single thing I have, and I'm going to use all of that to just pursue him. Everything he's given me. Because it's, it's all from him, even just the fact that I woke up this morning and I was breathing and I had breath in my lungs, that, that is a gift from him, and I want to use all of what I have to pursue him. And when we do that, we're going to start to see how God is moving in our lives. And when we start to see that, we're going to start to talk about it. We're going to get excited about that. And when you talk about it, other people around you, they're going to see it. They're going to hear you talking about what God's doing. And, and believe it or not, they're going to say, I. I want that in my life. Maybe they don't necessarily want the idea of church and God because they've put it into this box over here that has all these other things attached to it. But when we live a life that is just going after him, living a life that is based on a purpose so much bigger than just ourselves, other people are going to want that same thing. And it becomes contagious to the people around you. One of the best ways we can have an impact on this world for God is, is simply by living a life that others would want to emulate. Then this past week, we had our third statement. Our community is Holy Spirit-led and biblically anchored. We believe that God is still working in and through his church today, just like he did 2,000 years ago. And with that, it means that God will continue to guide his people, just like he did back then. 
So we looked at how in Scripture, the Holy Spirit often guided people in the moment, sometimes of where to go or what to do or what to say. That God was not this distant, inactive being that just set the world in motion and let it go. That he was active in people's lives. Now, it doesn't mean that every single decision we make has to be led by him. We're not sitting down, trust me, like I, I don't pray each morning like, God, what cereal should I eat this morning? I had Fruit Loops yesterday. I'd really like it again, but I know it's not good for me. You know, like I, I'm not sitting down and doing that. But we, we should live this life where we're, we're looking for God to be guiding us and to be working in our life in different ways. And when he is leading us, it's for a purpose. We saw that as we read through the book of Acts last week, that, that any time the Holy Spirit began to guide somebody, that it was always for a greater purpose not than, than just for them. Like It, it was about God being glorified, and, and people who, who had never known God before were meeting him through what was happening. So when, when we are sharing our lives with each other, when we're pursuing Jesus with everything we have, we want to do it in an intentional, contagious led by the Holy Spirit type of way. Because we believe that God wants to partner with each one of us the same way that he's done since the beginning. That's how we set this whole thing up, was that God wanted to partner with you and I. And when we do that, we can begin to see God's will happen on earth as it is in heaven, the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And so today's our last statement. It's going to be short and sweet, and it's going to wrap all of this together. All right, and so I, I'm excited for this. Let's, let's just kind of have this attitude of being ready for, for God to have something for each one of us this morning. Uh, if you're willing, if you're able, would you stand with me? I want to read uh, just this passage, and then we'll kind of move on in this. So uh, I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start kind of just second half of verse 14 here. So it says this, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone, the new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. God, we just pray this morning that as we open up the Bible, we spend time gathered together, that this would be uh, something that's meaningful for each one of us. God, we pray for just something fresh, something new this morning. Maybe we've gone to church before and, and walked out of there just feeling like, Nothing's different. God, we want to be changed by spending time in your presence. God, we want to be changed by just spending time in a community that is pursuing you. And so, Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. So today is our last week, and we have one last statement. Uh, and, and I don't think we could ever completely sum up what this community is just in four statements. But we wanted to, we wanted to kind of throw things out there and give a, a rough idea of like, this is what we go for. This is, this is what kind of defines us and what we're striving for. And our last statement today is one that, that really is the foundation of everything else. All right, and so, so here's our statement. It says, our community prioritizes life-changing encounters with Jesus. All right, like this is the basis for why we gather. Everything else flows out of this. All of the other statements we have made have this as the foundation. 
Okay, so each one of the other four statements that we have, like they, they all have this as the foundation. All right? Um, and in order to want to pursue with everything you have, you probably need a reason to do that. All right, a reason more than just like someone told you to, like, hey, this is what you should believe, and so I'm just going to tell you this. You know, this is where many of us started growing up. Maybe you were, you were raised going to church, all right? Uh, and you, at some point, though, you're going to naturally start to question the things that you've been told you should believe. All right, it's kind of the, the classic, like, kids always asking why. You know, when they get to that age where you tell them something, but why? And then you give them that answer. Well, why? You give them another answer. Why? And you're just like, oh, because I said so. But it's, it's so healthy for kids to be asking why, for anybody to be asking why. It shows that they are, that, that person is growing, that they're moving towards maturity. And, and every person who was raised in a Christian home should be asking this question at some point. Why? Why was I taught all this? Why should I be doing this? And the ones that don't ask why, and they don't have their own answer, to why, end up really struggling and almost always walking away from God. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, that definitely describes even me. All right, so parents, don't be discouraged when kids start asking why. Like, it's a good thing. Your role then is to help guide them, to help them uh, not just ask why, but to seek after an answer. All right, and to go deeper into what that search looks like. Help them know how to ask questions and how to seek answers in a healthy way because you know, looking on Google is not always the best way. All right, going to their friends at school and asking them questions, like big questions in life. Uh, you may not be too sure about the answers they're going to get, but understand for them, that is a valid place to be seeking these questions out. And so they're going to do that, and you just want to be there alongside to help them ask these questions. All right, and in the same way, like why, why would we, if we're going to pursue Jesus, we need to have a why, uh, we need to have a wife. If we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit and have a, a foundation of the Bible, like we need to have had a life-changing encounter with Jesus of the Bible. Otherwise, why would you do that? Why would you live a life that way? So having a moment that really allows us to think through our purpose and our reason for everything is crucial to how we live the rest of our life. Now, I do think that one of our statements could, could make sense prior to someone having an encounter with Jesus. And that's just the idea of sharing your life in an authentic way with others. And that, that's because you and I, each one of us, we are made for community. We, were, we weren't made to be by ourselves. And some people desire this more than others, or maybe more people in their community. But I think even, even the person that would say, I'm extremely introverted, and I don't know if I love being around a bunch of people, and this is really hard for me, e even that person would still say, I want to have a deep connection with someone. I have to. like that, that has to be part of our life. So I think we have some people in our church that are, that are probably here just for community. Maybe you just don't even know about the whole God thing and you're like, yeah, but I, I like gathering together with people and, and, and I want to spend time with them. And, and honestly, I think that's okay because God's patient. I think as a church, we need to be patient. Like People need to be able to take their time to process through things. Now, churches used to operate in a pretty specific way. I've talked about this before, but um, they used to be very exclusive in the way they would do things. And so first, if you wanted to be part of a church, you had to behave the right way. 
all right? You had to talk a certain way. You had to dress a certain way when you walked through the doors. You had to know certain things, agree with certain things, show up at specific times. You had to vote the right way, right? Raise your kids the right way, all these different things. And you had to figure all that out before you went to church. Somehow you were expected to do that. Because if you walked through the doors of a church and you weren't dressed right, you didn't know when to stand and when to sit and what to say and all these different things, you were going to feel like an outsider. You were going to feel like you didn't belong. And it was obvious to you. All right? Then after you were behaving correctly, okay, after you were behaving correctly, then you could start to maybe believe in the things that everybody else was believing in. You could believe in the gospel and what it meant and start to live everything out, you know, the, the right way. And you basically could become a Christian, be part of the church, and then this meant that lastly, now you could feel like you belong. Only after you did everything correctly could you be part of that community and have real friendships and feel like this is a community for you. And some of you guys, you understand this idea because you've, you've walked into a church like this before where you had to behave, otherwise you were looked at like an outsider. And you could never be part of that group. Well, for us, we, we try to flip this. Because, honestly, this is not how Jesus saw community. All right? and, and he basically pointed out to all the religious people like that they were doing things backwards. The religious people in his day, they only wanted to associate with people that, that looked good and were following the rules the right way. And in Matthew 9, it gives this account of Jesus calling Matthew, who is a tax collector, to be one of his disciples. Now understand, a tax collector in that day was Jewish. And they would go around to their Jewish neighbors, and they were collecting money for the Romans who were controlling them. So they were not popular. And to make things worse, the way that you made money, your income as a tax collector was if your neighbor owed $10, you would say, hey, you owe $12. And then you give Rome the $10 and you keep the $2. All right, so not only were they like working for the enemy, they were cheating their neighbors in a way in order to make money. And so tax collectors were just seen as like the worst of the worst. And Jesus goes and finds one and calls him to be one of his closest 12 followers. Okay, and so afterwards, this is this passage we're going to look at. Afterwards, uh, Matthew kind of throws this party and invites Jesus over. And so it says this, Matthew 9, starting in verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I, I love this translation and how it says that. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Can you imagine just someone like actually saying that type of a phrase and meaning it? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. How, why, why are you eating with such scum? And, and as strong as that language is, there are people that have walked into churches and they have felt like that based off of the way that a church responds to them. Whether or not they're behaving correctly, dressed correctly, all these different things. So they had this setup where you had to behave first, then you could believe, then you could belong. That's, that's how they were operating. Jesus says it's the opposite. So what we try and do is to say, 
First, we, we just want you to come and be part of this community. And from the first moment, we want you to feel like you belong here. All right, so hopefully, even if it's your first time here today, hopefully you feel like you belong. Like you can be part of this group and part of this, this family. And, and so you'll hear us say this phrase, that we are a church family, but we are a church family that is expecting guests. Like that's how we have to operate. Because walking into a family when you're not part of it can be really awkward. Right? Like if you walk in during dinner time, you don't knock on someone's door and you just go walking in. They're all going to turn and look at you like, what are you doing here? And some people have walked into churches and they have felt that exact same thing. What are you doing here? So we want to be a family that is always expecting guests. Then I believe that as we gather together and we make it a priority to create spaces and times where people can really have an encounter with Jesus, that as that happens, I think we're changed by that. It's hard to have an encounter with Jesus and and not be changed. And so that can be part then that that leads to this believing. You know, and I'm not going to ever force someone to try and believe or convince somebody. Like, this is something that has to be your decision. Because if you can be talked into something, you can be talked out of it. This is something that has to be your process. And then when we feel like we belong and we open ourselves up, and maybe we have, we have an encounter and, and we start to believe, then over time, the Holy Spirit works on us and guides us, speaks to us, and then the whole behave thing just sort of happens. Not because there's a bunch of rules and the church says you have to act this way, but because we want to live in a way that Jesus is leading us towards. And we're not going to get everything right, and we're going to make mistakes. I make a ton of mistakes, all right? But our passage from 2 Corinthians that we read at the beginning, it says this in the middle of it. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. So with this new life comes a new way of living in a way that isn't just focused on me and my own. It's not about how much stuff can I accumulate here and how much can I get ahead and have the dream life that I'm told I should be chasing. It's about something bigger that I am a part of, something bigger that God has for me that he wants to partner with me. And living out this new life is difficult, but it it is so rewarding. And maybe not rewarding in the way that the world would always think is rewarding, all right? But it's so much greater than that. Like the success of our lives isn't measured in assets and 401ks and stuff. It's measured by the impact that we have and the thumbprint that we leave on people. It's measured in the way that we can point to God and glorify him. It's measured in the way that we can fight against the injustices that are all around us in this fallen world. Prioritizing life-changing encounters with Jesus. Like, it, it starts with us right here in this room. It does. And each week, we try to create a space where we can do that. All right? But it goes so much more than that. We also want to try and equip us so that when we walk out of here, all right, God is not constrained to these four walls. That we can have encounters with God any moment of any day in our life. That we can take him with us. That we're following him. And as we go out into community, that that we are going to begin to rub shoulders with other people. And they are going to start to see this same type of thing. And we can share this with others. We prioritize life-changing experiences with Jesus. And that, that means here for us. It means for anybody It means in the next community over. It means in the next country over and on the other side of the world. Like this is a big priority for us. All right? Is prioritizing life change with Jesus. 
If you stick around here for a while, you're going to hear us talk about something called Kingdom Builders, which is a way that we financially try and make sure that we are invested in seeing God's kingdom move forward here in Long Prairie, in our community, in Minnesota, in the U.S., and around the world. And we have all these different projects that we're part of, that we're financially supporting. We have missionaries we're financially supporting to go and bring Jesus to places that have never heard of him. We have ways that we are fighting things like human trafficking, providing clean drinking water for people that don't have it, giving kids meals, clothes, and education, like all of these things. All of this is prioritizing life-changing encounters with Jesus. All right? And it's all a priority for us. So this is great. But what does it mean to have a life-changing encounter? Like we keep using that phrase and maybe you're like, I have no idea what that means. I think for most people, it means just allowing ourselves to, to open up and give God a chance. Maybe you have a wall between you and God. And that, that wall is built with all sorts of different bricks. All right? Maybe you tried this once and you walked through the doors of a church and the way that that church treated you put bricks in a wall between you and God. And now you kind of hold all of that just at an arm's length. Maybe because of the way a church treated you. Maybe because of the way that someone that says they're a Christian treated you. Maybe the way that you were raised has put bricks into this wall between you and God. Maybe you've had absolutely... Terrible things happen in your life, happen to you, and you just say, I, I can't believe that there's a God, and if there is, there's no way he loves me, because if he does, there's no way all these things in my life could have happened. And it's been just a difficult path. And so all these things have just kind of slowly, brick by brick, built this wall between you and God. And I believe that part of the church's role is just trying to help take down one brick at a time so that you can see God in a more clear way. And I think in turn, then that creates us being a little bit more open and creating space and saying, God, you know, maybe, maybe I can try this. Maybe I want to try trusting you. Maybe I want to try stepping out here. And it opens the door for all the other statements that we made about our community. All of that can then become true in someone's life. And, and we went through these statements in kind of whatever order. The reality is we probably should have gotten them through an order that is um, more likely to happen in someone's life. And it kind of follows this whole idea of like belong, believe, behave. Like probably the first order is this, this idea of someone becoming part of a community and feeling welcomed and sharing their life with people. Then maybe having a, a, a moment with God where they just start to, start to take this walk closer to him, trust him more, have this life-changing encounter with Jesus that then leads to them pursuing him. And through that, then allowing the Holy Spirit to just lead you as you walk through life. And so in just a moment, we're going to stand together here. And we're going to take a few minutes. We're going to sing a few more songs. And then we're going to close. And, and I want this. So I, I would love, I would love for you to be willing to maybe just right now say, you know what? Maybe I'll give God a chance. Maybe I've done this before, but am I, am I willing to just kind of even let my guard down, let this wall kind of fall down, and just trust God a little bit more and give him a chance? Now, I'm not saying you have to completely believe everything or feel like you have the answers to life now, all right? But are you willing to trust God just a little bit more?
Are you open to allowing him to work in your life and have a relationship with him? And maybe as we've been going through this, maybe you've already been feeling a little bit of this tug like on you as you've been sitting here. Like, you know what, maybe there's something more. There's something more than the way that I've been living. Uh, we're not going to force anything on anybody. We're not going to push you towards anything. We want to just create a space where you can encounter Jesus and, and his love and his peace and his fullness in life. And, and when that happens, I think it can be absolutely life-changing. Because it was for me, and I know that it can be for you as well. And so I would love, if you're willing, if you're able right now, would you stand with me as we just kind of move towards just a close on this. Worship team, you guys can come. Now I'm going to have Aaron come and, and transition us in just a moment into a time of just responding to God. And this, this can look like whatever you want it to. Maybe, maybe it's singing along with the songs. Maybe it's just talking to God on your own. Maybe it's talking with someone you came with. You know, or we're going to have prayer team members kind of around the room. Maybe you want to go and find one of them. All right, but I, I do know this. There's no amount of talking that I can do or saying the right things that can make people encounter Jesus. It's about us being open and putting ourselves in a spot where we want to just say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm here and I want to just encounter you today. And so we want to just create a little bit of space here at the end or maybe that can happen for you. So Aaron, why don't you come and just kind of lead us in this. Um, I don't know about you, but I look at that list and I go, wow, I have some work to do. <laughs> I don't think any of us will achieve anything 100%. I think that God just asks for our effort and maybe just one step in the direction towards him. And so I feel like... Kind of what I was going to share, Pastor Josiah just said. I, like, can we just repeat that? It was so good. Like, I just want you to know, like, I've been a part of a church in the past that was in the wrong order. And I always, I always feel like this as, as, a, as a leader here. For anybody that's experienced a church and had a past experience where you just kind of feel beat up, I always just want to say I'm sorry. Because I think that's what Jesus would say, because that's not his heart. And so if you're here this morning, I, I also just want to encourage you to just maybe, maybe take that one brick. Maybe it's the really tiny rock and just remove it. And just allow God to move in your life. So if that's you, just I just want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you've been in churches your whole life. And you're like, I've got this down. I want to I want to say this, you don't. We all have something we need to work on. We have something that we need to do to step into. And so, I just want to I want to encourage us all to not not miss this moment. To maybe take that step to walk out of here differently, to have a different attitude, to have a different outlook, to live a different way than we walked in here. So I just want to pray for us. Father God, thank you for meeting with us this morning. Thank you for speaking directly to each one of our hearts. It's, it's a message that's something different for each and every one of us. And so God, I just pray this morning that if there's anybody here that, that they would just remove the, maybe a small rock and just allow you to speak to them in the next few moments. 
And God, for those of us who have been pursuing you, God, help us to know that there's more that you have for us, that we're never going to come to a finish line, that, there, that we're going to be complete in it. But God, there's always something that you want to work on and change within us. Help us to be humble in that and to come before you and be willing to be changed by you this morning. God, speak to us in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen.